Hi guys, as some of you know, if you follow me on TikTok, especially, I am from the beautiful, wonderful state of Maine. Um, unfortunately, on October 25th, 18 people were fatally shot by a gunman in Lewiston, Maine. This has really torn up my state. Um, it's been a huge um, wake up call, I think, to our law officials, to our community, to friends and family members. Um, it's very close to home. I myself know people in that area who are going to be affected by this. And it's a very scary situation. They have found the gunman. He has since passed away. And moving forward, there's a lot of healing that needs to be done. So what I'm going to do in the um, link in my bio is I'm going to put information on how you can help the victims and their families and any mental health supports that are available in the state of Maine um, and outside of that as well. I also encourage you to look up not just in the state of Maine, but in your own states, what your gun laws are and what mental health resources are available to people in your state. Um, the man that was the gunman was very um, mentally unhealthy and had gone through a lot of trauma and was not in a good place. And if we had more resources and more opportunities to help people, and also if we had more laws protecting people um, when it comes to gun safety, um, things like this would not happen. So I please encourage you to go to the link in the bio and donate if you can, or provide resources to people around you that can help them. Um, thank you for all the love and support that you guys give me. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. Hi, everybody. So the Vanity Fair article that we've all been waiting for is here. And I thought for this podcast episode, I would read the entire article for you. And then at the end, give you some um, thoughts and opinions that I have on the article. So if you're like me and don't like reading things, you just like to listen to stuff. I figured I would be that person for you. So this is the Van Vanity Fair article, um, House Divided, Inside the Real House Size Reckoning That's Rocking Bravo. Amid disturbing allegations, Bethany Frankel's call for a union and a whole lot of drinking, reality TV's most popular stars are facing their demons by Anna Peely. All right, this article was published today on October 30th of 2023. And wish me luck, guys. I'm not the biggest, um, the best reader on the planet, but I figured um, I have ADHD and sometimes I just like listening to people say things versus like reading them myself. So I thought this would be helpful. I'll post all of this on TikTok and Instagram so you guys are aware. And if you want to listen to me talk about it, here it is for you. So this is a very long article. Okay, so get your tea, get your coffee, get whatever you need to drink, get a little snicky snack, sit by the fire. And let's just chill. Maybe you're working, do some work and listen to me chit chat in the background or listen to me completely. Either way, here we go. The housewife woke up in her own urine. She was still drunk from the night before when she'd had three drinks at dinner, another three or four with her co-stars, then an indeterminate but debilitating amount of mezcal after her castmates went to sleep. The house had been fully stocked when they arrived. She was too hungover to care that she'd wet the bed and so sick that she couldn't film, she told production. But people on set kept telling her she was fine. It was just the Mexican water screwing up her stomach. The same thing had happened 
to them in Cartagena, Colombia the year before. The van hired for the day trip pulled over so that the housewife could throw up. When the crew saw that was happening, they rushed over and said not to help, but to document it. Bravo didn't wi- didn't <laughs> wind up airing that footage. Production did bring in, t- in a doctor who gave the housewife a shot. She pulled down her pants on camera and took it while a castmate held her hand. If you go to the whorehouse, you're going to get fucked, said another real housewife. She knows what you think. That if you sign up to be a Bravo reality show, Bravo reality show, you deserve what you get. And she agrees. If we do this, it's at our own peril. We know that. And we don't fucking care. They do it for the money in part more than $1 million a season for the highest paid cast members. But it's more than that. The second housewife remembers being a little girl and plotting in her diary to achieve public recognition. I used to dream that one day I'd maybe get to be on Jeopardy and I would have put that in my obituary, she says. Now, when she dies, she will leave this mortal coil having been a reality star. She's grown accustomed to cruel comments about her body and face, vitriol about her life, but she has also become accustomed to the validation. Have I been put through the ringer, she says, 100%. Still better than my worst day withering her way to a life of quiet desperation. When this housewife, speaking in condition of anonymity because she doesn't want to lose her nightmare of a dream job, went to the last year's BravoCon, a three-day convention attended by 30,000 or so fans, she turned to two former Bravo celebrities and said, how do I ever be happy after this? This is the deal Bravo stars make with the devil, and there are many stars. There are currently 10 Real Housewives shows and about 20 other properties in the Bravo reality space, including the Emmy-winning Top Chef and and an improbable Emmy nominee, Vanderpump Rules. The biggest series have 11 million views each. Network execs turning master of ceremonies, Andy Cohen hosts Watch What Happens Live, WWHL, a nightly talk show on which non-Bravo celebrities and cast play games as Andy Cohen pulls the at-home audience with questions like, which real housewife of New Jersey has the better bad nose job? Bravo, which is owned by NBC Universal, distributes the series on cable and via the streaming service Peacock. Shows are produced by third-party partners like Banijay and Warner Brothers Discovery. Advanced Magazine Publishers, Inc., which owns Condé Nast, which owns Vanity Fair, owns a stake in Warner Brothers Discovery. These partners have subsidiary production companies, including 51 Minds Entertainment, which makes most of the charter yachting franchises of Below Deck and Shed Media, the Real Housewives of New York and Salt Lake City, the all-star housewife show Ultimate Girl Ship, known as UGT. Their production companies are on the ground during the filming of shows. The series and cast members orbit around Cohen, who describes himself to me during a 2021 interview for a New York magazine as their quote-unquote boss, among other roles, including quote-unquote father. It's a universal employment arrangement in a singular workplace. If you watch these shows, the words Scary Island or Dinner Party from Hell or Amsterdam are a wormhole to the collective memory of a fandom. If you don't watch, it's easy to think of these obscenity, unscripted, but highly produced series as Bravo, as the Bravo cinematic universe. Um, 
an interconnected group of characters linked by Watch What Happens Live social media and crossover series. The stars are usually affluent, often poorly behaved people, mostly women, who either know they're ridiculous or don't care if anybody thinks they are. As Lisa Shannon, Senior Vice President of Programming and Development at Shed, has said, this is a comedy. But the material is not always funny. Leah McSweeney relapsed after nine years of sobriety before her first season of Real Houses of New York, also known as Roni. Her recollection of the 2019 cash trip in Mexico, described as the beginning of this story, is from one of many interviews conducted over many months with current and former Housewives producers, Bravo staffers, about the things that they viewed that viewers have not seen. Racist language and behavior, the real-world effects of making entertainment out of destructive interpersonal relationships, the downside of fame and substance abuse beyond the meme father fodder that drives fan discourse. According to those who are responsible for the shows, however, the cast are largely in control of their own destinies. Now, with one of the most famous Bravo stars, Bethany Frankel, calling for a union, two legal complaints filed by talent in the last year, a NBC Universal releasing renewed guidance around cast behavior and production oversight, the Bravo verse is in the midst of a reckoning. Anyone who has watched reality TV since the real world, real world, <laughs> first premiered in 1992, is at least partially aware of the normalization of televised intoxication. But alcohol has become a character itself as the lubricant that the cast of Jersey Shore, DTF, and the bubbles that preceded a thousand bachelor tears. On Bravo shows, there are champagne rooms and fireball nips and fireball bottles and Belvedere and sodas served in short glasses with three lemons carcass out. There are nightly drinking games on Watch What Happens Live and weekly shot skis where Cohen and guests take shots off of, yes, a ski. During a panel at BravoCon in 2022, a Ultimate Girlship producer told fans that during filming, cast member Marisol Patton started her mornings with cockies, juice, and vodka. The audience loved it. According to One Housewife, the cast stashed water bottles filled with clear alcohol around the set both to calm their own nerves and they hoped to get one particularly volatile cast member crazy drunk, she felt like the producers hopped onto this too. <clears throat> it's just faster and easier, the housewife says, of trying to give the producers what they want. Cast members describe some producers using big words, phrases written in large font on their phones held up to redirect conversations. Former Real Housewives of New York, Ebony Williams, says she ignored one that said, bring up Sonia's drinking, referring to Sonia Morgan. Before a day of shooting begins, a production team sends out the beats of each scene, topics they've written and want addressed. The following is a beat reviewed by Vanity Fair for an episode that was filmed in November 2020. Sonia is on a loop and this abuse of pills and alcohol has been going on for way too long. Is there anything that they can do or do they need to just be there for her when she falls? When she was on Roni, Frankel says, I was talking to producers about how we're going to bring into the show that Luann Delaseps' fiance had cheated on her. A person with knowledge said Frankel acted on her own accord, or a producer comes in and tells me that somebody is trying on a wedding dress when they're not engaged, and I bring it into a scene. According to McSweeney and Williams, producers did not suggest curtailing Morgan's onset drinking, even as they instructed cast members to discuss it. 
Whatever has aired on the show is reflective of her experience, says someone who is familiar with production. Shed's current alcohol policy states, quote, we have always strived to depict cast members as being authentic on its shows. Therefore, cast members and cast members only make their own decisions about whether to consume alcohol, unquote. Hot sheets, quote unquote, are production's daily post-filming logs. They describe on-camera action and dialogue in detail, from cast spats to Ramona Singer's dog peeing on her floor. Cohen received hot sheets for the shows on which he is a producer, including The Real Housewives and Ultimate Girls Trip. A person who works in production says they are written by the field team and distributed to the post-production team that uses them in the edit, as well as various executives at Bravo and NBC Universal. Off-camera interactions aren't discussed on hot sheets, but executives have become aware of certain complaints. Roni season 13 featured Williams, the show's first black cast member. In 2020 and 2021, Singer's alleged racial, hus racial hostility and use of the N-word in conversation with a black crew member during season 13 production were the subject of complaints within Shed Media. Warner Brothers, Discovery, Bravo, and NBC Universal. Companies declined to comment on the specific allegations. Singer continued to film after the alleged incident, has since been part of two seasons of Ultimate Girls Trip and appeared on Watch What Happens Live as this story was going to press. When asked if she used the N-word in conversation with a black member of production, Singer had responded, never. Everybody wants the bag of shit to not be on them at all times, Frankel told Vanity Fair. <clears throat> the most successful housewife of all time would know. In July, she called her former reality TV peers to unionize and directed them to legal resources. She describes some of these castmates and crew as people I never would have given the time of day, who I judge through this toxic process and who may not have a past I would normally respect, but who have been tossed away from being used like trash. As she put it, it's kill or be killed. Um, then underneath this part, there's a section that shows Silver Hill Hospital patient McSweeney Leah. She attended on January 23rd of 2022 for emotional trauma being the show, exploitation, the show, and then psychological trauma. Quote, I can say all of that shit is the show, but at the same time, I did a deal with the devil, so I need to figure out how to deal with it and when, but at what cost, unquote. In May of 2019, nearly three years before she checked into a psychiatric hospital, McSweeney was auditioning for The Real Housewives. I'm drinking again, but it's fine, McSweeney41 says she told the producer. She says she has been sober for at least a decade up to that point, and she described this moment as her first attempt to minimize her substance abuse issues with Bravo. The conversation moved on to McSweeney's apartment size, small for a housewife, and what she thought of the other cast members. On August 2nd, 2019, Lisa Shannon, it shed, called McSweeney to tell her she got the job. The next day, McSweeney says she stopped drinking. According to McSweeney, her contract was for $3,000 an episode. At a matter of policy, Shed does not comment on compensation. More than a month later, on an early September cash trip in the Hamptons, McSweeney began drinking again. Quote, I don't consider myself an alcoholic at all. I've been drinking for the last six months or so, and I pick and choose when I drink, unquote. She said on a camera that season. McSweeney now says she was trying to keep her relapse from becoming a storyline. McSweeney says co-showrunner Darren Ward had warned her, quote, this shit is boring as hell and quote, you better turn it up. 
Ward did not respond to questions from Vanity Fair. McSweeney turned it up. She drank and drank and took off her clothes and wearing only a thong threw a lit tiki torch across Singer's lawn. She doesn't remember that evening because she was browned out, she says. But when the episode aired in April 2020, McSweeney as Hurricane Leah was instantly iconic. McSweeney says that in April 2020, during an off-air exchange on Watch What Happens Live, Cohen asked her, were you already drinking or was your relapse at the winery or on that trip? She told him she wasn't dry when filming began, hoping to de-emphasize it. She believes he looked disappointed that the exact moment of McSweeney's relapse wouldn't be documented on the show. During taping of the season 12 reunion in August of 2020, McSweeney says Cohen asked which drugs she'd use during her active addiction. Through a Bravo representative, Cohen declined to answer questions. The following season, according to McSweeney, Morgan was so inebriated that she vomited and urinated on herself on a different trip to the Hamptons. Whatever footage there may have been did not air. Morgan didn't respond to questions from Vanity Fair, and a source with insight says producers don't recall the incident. Someone documented in the hot seat for t- October 20, October 22nd, 2020, that Morgan was consi- continuously getting more and more out of control and drunk. In 2015, during a trip to Atlantic City, a Roni cast member told production that Morgan was too drunk to film and that a real intervention was necessary. Frankel staged one on camera. It didn't take. McSweeney says the only time production intervened in her own drinking was when Singer and Deliceps complained to producers that McSweeney had been too disruptive while filming in Rhode Island. On the trip, McSweeney threw a martini glass during one dinner and ravioli at Singer during another. A source involved with production says if the cast is out at a restaurant, production pays the restaurant bill. On production trips, production stocks the fridge and pantry with requested food and beverages. McSweeney says Shannon phoned her and said, we need you to be lucid. And at Shannon's request, a mental health professional called McSweeney, though they did not mention alcohol. Other housewives recall similar experiences with mental health care providers referred by Bravo. They have a 1-800 number for Dr. Barry. One housewife says Barry Goldstein, an off-screen psychologist who goes by his first name with Bravo clients. His website, realityshrink.net, notes he is also a board game designer and expert. Goldstein has called me on many occasions as a check-in, says a housewife, which in her estimation feels like you're not, you're not doing what they want to do. Goldstein did not respond to Vanity Fair's request for comment. According to a source familiar with production, all cast members have access to mental health care resources. During season 13, which filmed from late 2020 to early 2021, McSweeney was freshly sober, but she struggled with the isolation of COVID and her grandmother, who had been a key figure of support, was in hospice. The cast was about to take a trip to Singer's house in the Hamptons and McSweeney texted Ward, and his fellow showrunner, John Paparazzo, my grandmother is going to die any day now. Adding that, if the funeral happens while we are in the Hamptons, there's no way I can miss it. Sorry. Paparazzo responded, obviously, hang in there thinking of you. Soon after the trip began, McSweeney learned her grandmother was losing consciousness. She began having panic attacks. A source involved with production says Ward told her, Whatever day or time you need to be with your grandmother, we're going to make that happen. Don't get stressed out about that. We're on your side and we're going to support you, okay? 
but McSweeney felt his tone meant the opposite. A car was later arranged for McSweeney when she requested to leave the Hamptons a few hours earlier. Her grandmother had already died. Some fans questioned why McSweeney hadn't gone to her grandmother earlier, a thread Cohen encouraged on Watch It Happens Live. After being asked by Cohen about McSweeney and the trip, former Roni housewife Heather Thompson said, I think it was better for Leah to go home. It hurt so bad that I was not able to grieve, McSweeney says, that I had people not showing me any kind of compassion or humanity regarding it. At the same time, McSweeney was trying to maintain a good relationship with producers and convince herself that what had happened in the Hamptons was okay. She texted Warden Paparzo, I'm glad I stayed in Long Island because that's what my grandma wanted. McSweeney says reading the message now is like seeing someone with Stockholm Syndrome. While the season was airing, McSweeney says Shannon told her, I just think that there was such a stark difference between you when you are drinking versus this season, and that's why the audience kind of didn't like you. A source says McSweeney complained about the audience hating her, but her drinking was not at the center of these conversations. The source also notes that viewers found McSweeney's struggle to be relatable. Nevertheless, McSweeney informed Shannon of her decision to leave the show by phone in late 2021. Weeks later, McSweeney says she suffered a major depressive episode related to the show and her grandmother's death. Her mother and a former long-term partner, the father of McSweeney's teenage daughter, moved into her home, then moved McSweeney to Silver Hill Hospital. She stayed for eight days, the longest amount of time insurance would cover. In March of 2022, after many hours with a therapist, rabbi, acupuncturist, and healer, McSweeney felt she was in a better place. Bravo and Shed were casting a season of Ultimate Girls Trip to be filmed in Thailand in July of that year. McSweeney says production swore it would be different this time, fun, and that she was offered $250,000 for one week of work. Cohen and NBC Universal executives told her she was going to be considered for Real Housewives of New York Legacy, a Roni franchise with veterans, Real Housewives of New York, uh, New Housewives of New York, that might air alongside a rebooted Roni series with a new cast. According to McSweeney, Co- Cohen also said, "Let's get you through Ultimate Girls Trip first. McSweeney said yes. McSweeney got a text from Feather. Fellow Ultimate Girls Trip cast member Marisol Patton before filming began. I support your sobriety, obviously, and I would never do what you do what you do because I don't have your willpower. And I marvel at what you have done, Patton wrote. And then, but on that note, I wish you were still drinking. That's all. Yes, I sent the text message, Patton told Vanity Fair. There was a collective memory of the girl running around through tiki torches and skinny dipping and that is who I was hoping to go on vacation with though McSweeney was vocally sober cast member Heather Gay asked McSweeney if she was drinking and said let's get Leah drunk another cast member Giselle Bryant said to McSweeney like if you drank this week would that be a big deal it would ruin my life McSweeney said during lunch at an elephant sanctuary the cast played a game one McSweeney says the producers came up with in which they listed the best and worst parts of being housewives. McSweeney talked about feeling that she couldn't leave the Hamptons and the depression and inpatient treatment that followed. According to McSweeney, Ward, and Paparzo, the showrunners came into her room and Ward said, Lisa Shannon's pissed at you. Then you're going to get it today. A source familiar with production thinking, production's thinking says Shannon was not unhappy, just confused by McSweeney's belated upset as producers had told her she did not need to go to the Hamptons trip in the first place. 
The cast began piling on McSweeney, according to people with knowledge, repeatedly telling her on camera that she didn't want to be in Thailand. In confessionals that aired, cast members discussed whether production would ever have pressured them to stay on a trip and not be with a dying grandparent. According to someone with knowledge, there was at least one uh, dissenter gay who said they wouldn't even have to say a word. I would be afraid to leave and go to my grandmother's funeral. I would not do it. That footage wasn't included in the show. Several days before Ultimate Girls Trip wrapped, McSweeney had a panic attack, which was aired. According to McSweeney, a staff medic gave McSweeney a makeshift IV clipped to a clothing hanger on the bed frame, which then fell and pulled the needle out of her wrist. When McSweeney's condition didn't improve, the crew took McSweeney to the hospital where she was admitted overnight. Two members of production were nearby and McSweeney started crying to the nurses. Just keep them away from me, she said. In November, McSweeney found out from Della Seps and another castmate, Dorinda Medley, that Legacy would be filmed without her. On March 10th, 2023, McSweeney and her attorneys at Adelman Matz filed an employment discrimination complaint with the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission against Bravo Shed Media and its parent company, Warner Brothers Discovery, and Cohen, Shannon, Paparzo, and Ward, setting a violation of the Americans with Disabilities Act. On May 15th, Christy Del Rey Cohn, an attorney representing all respondents, denied the claims. The response stated that McSweeney's disabilities were allowed for and that she was not retaliated against. In fact, the response says production spent endless amounts of time accommodating her and only internally expressed frustration with the fact that she was knowingly misrepresented what had transpired. The attorney, the attorney also pointed out that compliant herself spent much of Roni season 12, the season of her relapse discussing and sometimes even mocking the alleged disabilities that are now the subject of the instant complaints and stated compliance need for affirmation was never ending, but that need was completely separate from an uh, alleged disability. The response notes several instances of support, but McSweeney maintains those were either subsequently reneged on or she felt weren't offered in good faith. On March 23rd, Ultimate Girlship premiered on episode of Watch What Happens Live that aired during the run of the show. Cohen questioned guests about whether McSweeney was fun on the trip. One night this spring, Leah was the drinking game word. Whenever anybody mentioned McSweeney, Cohen instructed viewers to take a drink. Problem drinking isn't the only problem. That was immediately clear to Williams, a lawyer and TV host who in 2021 became the first black cast member on Roni. Many other cities had featured black housewives, though casts at that point were largely segregated by race. Beverly Hills, New York, Dallas, New Jersey, and Orange County were mostly white, Atlanta and Potomac mostly black. A virtual education session before filming season 13 covered topics including black women, how black women are treated in large society in the black community, microaggressions, what are they, how do you recognize them, lexicon, appropriate versus harmful offensive language, and missteps, what to do when you say something offensive, how do you move forward in that relationship. Williams, McSweeney, Morgan Singer, and Della Seps were on the call, as well as the NBC Universal Communications Executive and Bravo publicist, two representatives from a racial justice organization. Williams had never previously met Morgan or Singer before one before the one-hour session officially began. According to McSweeney and Williams, Morgan commented on the natural hair of the black woman leading the session. 
Williams 40 interpreted that meeting as a cover your ass move. She says it mostly focused on the kinds of cast things cast members should avoid saying like the racist trope that black fathers are not present for their children. What if they don't have a father? Why can't I say that? Singer said during the meeting, according to Williams, most of them don't. The Royal House of New York publicist, who is also black, told Singer that she has a father, but Singer said she'd read a study that confirmed that most black children do not. McSweeney corroborates Williams' account. The training included open dialogue, Singer said to Vanity Fair. In that spirit, I asked a question about a statistic I had read about single-parent households where children with single-parents households were statistically less likely to succeed than two-parent households. Later, while filming a scene that did air, Della Stepson Singer expressed on camera their squeamishness around words such as dick, which they attributed to their backgrounds as church-going and conservative. Williams said that she had no discomfort with sexual language, noting she was the most educated person at the table with a BA and a JD, Della Seps, who is a high school graduate and licensed nurse, said, I don't like the way you talk. When Singer also got upset, Williams said, your white fragility is killing me right now. Then they had to explain the term. Della Seps called Williams an angry woman, which Williams understood explicitly, an angry black woman. I never referred to your color, Della Seps said. Williams left. Singer stayed behind. The scene that viewers saw ended there. But the emotional momentum continued. One of the people who remained told Vanity Fair Ramona slammed her hands on the table. She goes, this is why we didn't need black people on the show. This is going to ruin our show. Singer emailed Vanity Fair. This absolutely did not happen. In fact, I supported adding diverse cast members well before Ebony was added. The hot sheet went out several days later to a group that included Andy Cohen and other NBCU executives. It did not note, however, that Singer allegedly said that the show didn't need black people. On October 24, 2020, Cohen responded via email, These are incredible reads and will be amazing episodes. The fact that this particular journey through white fragility ends with Ramona DMing Brian Cranston is next level. That season, Singer also allegedly told a black woman staffer, there's so many of you guys here now. Please don't change your hair as I'm not going to be able to remember anybody's name. Singer says this was the kind of thing she commonly did. It was a strictly, it was a strictly a commentary on my inability to remember names. As an example, just last week, I saw a photo with me and Travis Kelsey from 2016 on Watch What Happens Live, and I thought he was Jax Taylor. She emailed Vanity Fair, referring to a Vanderpump Rules cast member. According to two people familiar with production, Singer exclaimed, there's so many black chicks. Singer denies saying this, though footage that aired in the season shows her using the phrase black chicks. Darian Edmondson, a Harrington before she married was a senior producer on season 13, her first Bravo production. No one ever said officially why I was hired, but Ebony was the first black talent that was ever brought on for New York. Edmondson told Vanity Fair, I think that they were specifically looking for a black female producer. A source involved with production says new productions are typically introduced to the cast. New producers are typically introduced to the cast, but that didn't happen with the new black hires on Roni. If the cast is not being told about the executives, these people are here to do this X job, says that person said. The cast is going to make up their minds who they talk to and who they don't talk to. 
Edmondson said she wasn't able to produce Morgan, Deliceps, or Singer. They simply didn't respond to her texts or calls, so it seemed unusual when Singer spoke to her after a scene filmed on November 6, 2020 in Singer's home. Here is how the hot sheet described the conversation. Ramona says she doesn't want to talk about race, religion, or creed. Ramona tries to change the subject again, asking about who Ebony is dating. She says, Ebony, if the guy is black, white, or what? Ebony says she thought Ramona didn't want to talk about color. Ramona says, now I have to watch what I'm saying to you. I feel like whatever I say is wrong. A person who sees hot sheets said that while they don't recall that one specifically, they would not dispute it. After the scene, Ebony left. Edmondson remained, she says, at Ward and Paparazzo's instructions. A source familiar with production denies uh, Paparazzo asked her to stay. Singer told Edmondson that her interaction with Williams reminded her of when Jewish colleagues used a Catholic slur with her when she was a young woman and called her a shikska, a Yiddish term for a non-Jewish woman. Edmondson hadn't heard the word before, and later had to ask her mother what it was. According to Edmondson, she said, Ramona, I have no idea what you're talking about. To which Singer said, oh, it's literally like somebody calling you a N-word. Singer says she never said the N-word and that this account is a misrepresentation. I did describe an incident which I was called a shiksa, which worked while working in college. She wrote, but I did not compare that to but I did not compare the two experiences. Edmondson wrapped up the conversation without addressing what Singer had just said and says Singer thanked her, but she discussed the moment with a shocked colleague and sent her husband and a friend texts about what happened, which Vanity Fair has reviewed. Then Edmondson started crying. I should have said something. She says she told herself Ebony's fighting this fight this season. She says she talked to Ward and Paparzo about it that night. They said, I'm so sorry that that happened to you. According to multiple people who worked on season 13, other production members went to Warner Brothers HR about Singer's comments throughout the season. Edmondson's endeavors to make herself feel better, at least she's getting comfortable around me, was how she rationalized Singer's ease using the N-word. I always felt that Darian and I had great relationships, Singer told Vanity Fair. But on different day of filming with Williams, Edmondson recalls, literally, we broke down hysterically and cried in each other's arms. And I've never in my life in a decade of working in TV ever shown emotion like that with a cast member. Williams had tried to quit the show November 6th, the same day Singer allegedly used the N-word. Though Williams didn't know about the incident at the time, on November 9th, Williams says that Ward, Paparzo, and Shannon implored her to stay all over a video call. Williams said they told her, listen, what you're giving us is exactly what we want. If we wanted a different black woman, we know how to get them. Shannon suggested Williams bear the racial animus she was experiencing more lightly, as Williams recalled it, reminding her, Ebony, this show is a comedy. Producers deny that Williams tried to quit and that they asked her to stay, though someone with knowledge says a producer told Ebony and others generally that Real Housewives is partly comedic in nature. Viewers tend to see the show as an escape. Emails reviewed by Vanity Fair show Paparzo, Ward, and Shannon had a Zoom call with Williams on November 9th. At the last dinner of the season at Singer's Hamptons home, a party planner hired by production set the table with raw cotton. According to some, 
it was supposed to look like snow. Once again, Williams had to provide context. Shedd acknowledges the situation and said they addressed it immediately. But it wasn't until after the season began airing in 2021, almost a year later, that Williams heard Singer had been reported to Warner Brothers HR and that it had been determined that Singer said she had difficulty, tell- difficulty telling black crew members apart. At this point, Williams requested a series of meetings with NBC Universal. During one meeting with NBCU executives and a lawyer, Williams said she was told an investigation into whether Singer had said the show didn't need black people was inconclusive. Williams said someone on the call confirmed the company determined Singer had said the N-word, but Williams says the lawyer tried to downplay the issue. To paraphrase, Singer didn't call Edmondson the N-word, she just said the N-word. Williams says that NBCU's chief diversity officer, who is biracial, was present. He told the lawyer, no, what we're not going to do is sit here and litigate the capacity in which the N-word was used in the presence of a black woman. NBCU did not comment. Williams says that was the only time I felt like anybody on the other side of this had any competency. What I recognize even in the midst of my own trauma is I still had the most power of any black person involved in this thing. Williams said, these are just young black women trying to go to fucking work. Edmondson has not been hired for a Bravo series since her one and only Roni season, which ended filming in 2021. For the first time in Housewives history, the reunion, which typically films about a month before the finale airs, was canceled. At the time, Bravo attributed this to scheduling challenges. Now, and a source with knowledge says the reunion was put on hold during the investigation into Singer's conduct and ultimately never happened. Ronnie went off the air for almost two years. When it came back, it had a new cast and a legacy Ultimate Girls trip starring Singer, Della Seps, and Morgan, helmed by Paparzo, which filmed in St. Bart's in June 2023. Shed produced both, as well as the Ultimate Girlship season that Singer filmed three months after Brony season 13 wrapped. Someone familiar with production says as soon as Shed became aware of concerns related to conduct on the Brony season 13 production, producers immediately reached out to the affected employees to make sure they were supported, and Shed hired an outside investigator to conduct a thorough and confidential investigation where issues were substantiated appropriate corrective action was taken these measures were taken over two years before the casting of ultimate girl trip st bark's legacy sources differ on when the allegations of singer used the n-word were communicated between the companies which illustrates how complicated the process and reporting chains can become on those shows why do they stay it is a promotional machine unlike anything you can even buy says williams who tried to develop her own show with Bravo after season 13. Money and clout, says McSweeney. One housewife wonders who she would be otherwise. Is it any wonder why we cling to it well past its expiration date? Frankel is one of the few examples of a Bravo star whose success transcended the network, and even she hasn't cleaved herself completely. Frankel quit the show, sold the cocktail division of her company, Skinny Girl, for reported $100 million dollars, while filming a Bravo spinoff, returned, then quit again, then developed several more shows with Bravo. In 2022, she started a podcast with The Real Housewives called Rewives, distributed by iHeartRadio. Frankel says the former Roni castmate and former best friend Jill Zarin's July 2023 appearance on her podcast is what prompted her to reevaluate her relationship with Bravo and the reality TV generally. 
The truth about what came up on that podcast is like everything in this story complicated and was been the subject of housewives infighting and proxy wars in page six on Watch What Happens Live and among fans. Disclosure, I am one. On Ju- on Just Be, Frankel's other podcast, Zarin revealed that she didn't know Frankel would be filmed attending the January 18th funeral for Zarin's husband, Bobby. She wouldn't have looked like that had she known. She said, hand to, hand to God, should Bobby turn in his grave? Frankel says she believes Zarin was aware. A source with production knowledge tells Vanity Fair that a spokesperson for Zarin indeed had reached out and invited filming at the funeral. Zarin supposedly also invited a crew to Shiva, but they declined. Zarin told Vanity Fair that her former publicist suggested asking if Shed wanted to film the funeral. Bobby had loved being a house husband. While Zarin was a cast member from 2008 to 2011, Zarin agreed it's an honor for Bobby to be honored on national television and to be respected, she says. The emails went back and forth, including a suggestion for a made-for-TV Shiva, but Zarin said her ultimate understanding was that there would not be cameras present outside of the service. Zarin said she's not upset that production came afterward. What she calls a fucking ambush was that she wasn't prepared or paid for what would become a huge, heavily promoted Bravo moment. Her long-awaited televised reconciliation with Frankel, her estranged best friend. Zarin says she wouldn't have asked to be compensated if they had documented Bobby's memorial because she considered that a tribute to him. Otherwise, she says she would have. Write me a check for $100,000 and put it into the memorial fund. She also wasn't happy that Cohen later indicated Zarin was lying about knowing it was being filmed. Yet, even after all of this, Saren still wanted to be on Bravo. In 2021, she started Ultimate Girlship Season 2, which was produced by Shed. The production company, Zarin says, crashed Bobby's funeral. I want to vomit at how I kissed Andy's ass to come back, Zarin says now. She says she was in talks to join the Legacy cast, but the negotiation ended because Bravo was offering less money than Zarin felt she deserved. On July 21st, Frankel posted a now-famous TikTok in which she grapples with assailing a grieving widow for TV and calls for a reality reckoning. It got a lot of pickup. Frankel says now it seemed fairly obvious to me. Then I said, how am I going to go further with this? I can't just talk and not do something. In addition to her stated goal of uh, securing future rights for cast and crew with input from SAG-AFTRA, Frankel says she's planning to meet with network and streaming executives about improving conditions on reality production. The housewife's quandary sounds a a little bit like problems gambling and the house always wins, which Bravo reminds cast members. People are going, are going to like you because we edited you well. So don't worry. McSweeney says Cohen told her before her first season premiered. We likely are walking to the casino thinking we're going to change our family's lives, make a fortune and ride off into the sunset. But if you were here, but if you But if you were, say, the most successful house I've ever, you would not be able to chart it without charting also absolute emotional destruction, public humiliation, divorce, death, crime, prison, shame, misogyny, and just an onslaught of pure hate. Bravo and its partners who make these shows are employers at the end of the day based on documents shared by Vanity Fair. A contract might state that cast members will be paid only for the episodes in which they appear 
which may be fewer than the number they filmed. However, their obligation, including promotion and filming, continues for the duration of the contract. Outside unscripted work and press opportunities may be subject to approval requirements. There are non-disclosure agreements as well as non-disparagement agreements, which Frankel has railed against. Confidentiality clauses are standard practice in reality programming to prevent disclosure of storylines prior to air. The network wrote in a statement of um, variety. Any current or former cast or crew is free to discuss and disclose any allegedly unlawful acts in the workplace, such as harassment or discrimination, or any other conduct they have reason to believe is inappropriate. And then there's a waiver of privacy clause. Two Warner Brothers contracts with Bravo talent viewed by Vanity Fair state the appearance, action, sound, and statement of artists and others, and the information related or revealed thereby may be of a personal, private, surprising, defamatory, disparaging, embarrassing, offensive, or an otherwise unfavorable or injurious nature, and may be factual or fictional, and may expose artists to public ridicule, humiliation, or condemnation, and may betray artists in a false light. When Frankel first read her contract, she decided, I can navigate this. I'm just a different breed. She also said, I was a prostitute at the highest rate possible, and was aware that there was a transaction that was happening and that I was going to benefit from it. Bravo has made adjustments based on information that leaked from troubled productions. The next Ultimate Girls ship to air will be Shannon and Paparazzo's Lego Legacy Edition. It switched slots with what was supposed to be the fourth season, which filmed in Morocco months after Legacy. Sorry, months before Legacy. In which 2020 in January 2023, people published a story about cast member Brandy Glanville allegedly kissing co-star Caroline Mansell multiple times throughout the evening without her consent during filming. The following month, Page Six reported that on the same night, Glanville allegedly pinned Caroline against the wall and put her hands on Caroline's breast area and vaginal area. During a March interview, Manzo, who had not publicly made any accusations, said, I can't say much only because it's not good for my headspace. I would imagine it would unfold on the series, which it airs, and there'll be a lot said then. Through her attorney, Derek Smith, she declined to comment to Vanity Fair the same month. Glanville's attorney sent Warner Brothers a letter that read, The entire incident was compromised of some flirtatious conduct and kissing between Mrs. Manzo and Miss Glanville, and all of it was absolutely mutual and consensual and called for it to release the footage. Like, literally, please, like, not to interrupt me reading, but release the footage, please. Glanville says she and Manzo were never alone and no one from production stepped in at any point. Glanville has behaved similarly on a previous season of Ultimate Girlship. Glanville says NBCU executives sent positive feedback to the cast. Cast member Phaedra Parks told Vanity Fair she was sober that evening and observed Glanville Manzo's interactions as nothing short of modern day Harlequin romance. Love was winning. You're not in your right mind and you want to give them good TV, says Glanville. The whole point of these shows is to get us unhinged. If there was an issue or situation where someone was uncomfortable in Morocco, no one in production or the crew or cast intervened at any moment. 
Glanville said she heard nothing until she started posting about Bravo and Ultimate Girlship on social media while she was hospitalized for inflammation in October, at which point she got a text from Barry Goldstein, whom she has never heard of, telling her he was a psychologist who wanted to call her for a check-in. Bravo recently announced the season will premiere in 2024, though a source with knowledge executive decisions says the network is still discussing whether it will air at all. On October 20th, Manzo's lawyer filed suit on behalf of Marco Vega against NBCU, Bravo, Peacock, Warner Brothers, Shed, and Forest Productions, a subsidiary of Shed. Vega, who was an on-screen butler on Ultimate Girls Trip, are alleged Glanville sexually harassed Vega and that Parks smacked his bottom. Defendants allowed, condoned, and even encouraged Miss Glanville's sexually aggressive and offensive conduct on others on the sets. The suit says Warner Brothers does not comment on pending litigations. Other reality shows that other networks have had to make corrections. The Bachelor reportedly in institu instituted a two drink an hour restriction after two intoxicated Bachelor in Paradise cast members reportedly had an on camera sexual encounter on the British dating show Love Island. Past cast members have said they're allowed two units of alcohol a day and rigorous mental health protocols were put in place following the suicides of two former cast members and the show's longtime host, which I wrote about for this magazine. On Netflix, Love is Blind, a dating series with single season casts. A cast member accused producers of not supporting her with her mental health care, although emails viewed by Vanity Fair show she was offered post-show therapy. This month, a cast member filed a lawsuit asserting she was sexually assaulted while under 24-hour surveillance and no producer intervened. Chris Colin, the creator of Love is Blind and CEO of Kinetic Content, told People that casts are not filmed or managed around the clock and that we can't be accountable if someone doesn't tell us that they have a concern. On Kinetic shows like Love is Blind, The Ultimatum, and Married at First Sight, professionals interview each cast member prior to filming the um, to evaluate whether they're in a good headspace to be on and subsequently off reality television. Similar protocols are in place on Love Island, The Bachelor, and MTV's The Challenge. Frankel says she underwent emotional and psychological testing during casting of The Apprentice, which aired on NBC, a source with knowledge of the cast process clarified that while psych evaluations take place for competition series like Top Chef and Project Runway, unstructured, unscripted series like The Real Housewives only require partners to have already cast talent speak with, with a psychologist in a meeting NBCU calls Intro to Psych. McSweeney, Williams, and Frankel say they did not talk to a mental health professional before filming a Bravo show, though a source with knowledge says McSweeney and Williams completed Intro to Psych. Two other housewives told me they had Intro to Psych phone sessions with Goldstein, but in their view that the calls did not achieve the stated goal of establishing rapport with the show Psych early on. The general murkiness about the level and type of care provided extends to the language of the guidelines. A representative for Shed said, quote, going forward, cast members will have even more touch points with show psychologists. Bunham Murray Productions president Julie Pizzi oversees the challenge. One of the few long running reality shows outside Bravo with a um, repertory cast 
Um, this production company that brought us to real world and road rules via MTV. The challenge has evolved its approach through multiple instances of racism and 2009 accusation of sexual assault. Pizzi says mental health professionals who have worked with the same contestants over many years are on call 24 hours a day during filming and counseling is available over once production is wrapped. If producers see cast members order what they deem to be too much alcohol, they get cut off. On April 2nd, 2023, Vanderpump Rules star Rachel Levis entered inpatient mental health treatment for three months following a season on which her affair with a cast member known as Scandaval became the show's central plot line and a national news story. Despite Bravo's knowledge of Levis' uh, residential care, Cohen subsequently declined to correct Levis's castmates on multiple episodes of Watch It Happens Live when they said she was actually at a spa and implied she was faking her mental health issues. Cohen also repeatedly asked what guests thought about Levis and her mental health. Saturday Night Live star Chloe Feynman called her a filthy whore and Cohen laughed. After the reunion, he speculated in a variety interview that Levis had been very medicated at the taping, during which her co-star Ariana Maddox, whose ex-boyfriend Levis had the relationship with, told Levis, fuck yourself with your fucking treat, fuck yourself with a fucking cheese grater. Cohen did not intervene. You can't be the leader of the universe, then act like you don't know what's going on in it, Frankel says about Cohen. I was part of it, Frankel says. I wanted to be Andy's favorite. I love that I was Andy's favorite. I love that I was able to make good television and produce it at the same time. I love that the producers knew I was the best. I was in the machine. I was the machine. I created the machine of her new mission to remake the medium that made her, Frankel says. It's my penance, presented with the idea that she might... Participate in Frankel's organizing. Williams said, fuck Bethany Frankel. You think I'm going to let some white girl speak for me with my experience with a multi-billion dollar corporation? On September 22nd, 2023, after Vanity Fair began discussing this story with representatives from Warner Brothers Discovery, NBC Universal, NBCU Entertainment Chairman Francis Berwick, sent a message to production partners. The message included a new alcohol policy. Building on our current protocols, we will require that you deliver an expanded alcohol-related training to the cast, crew, and production team. Burke also wrote about enhancing mental health support, including onset psychological support during and after filming of and at the... as well as care after filming. According to the memo... There will reportedly be an onset HR representative for shows where NBCU determines additional support may be warranted. And a Bravo representative told Vanity Fair there will also be a daily communication to NBCU separate and apart from general uh, production notes flagging any health, safety or respect issues that have been arisen to quickly address concerns. Four days before Berwick's memo went out. Bravo had aired an episode of The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City in which Heather Gay drank espresso martinis until she vomited, urinated. It was unclear what fluid was pouring out of Gay and onto the floor of the Sprinter van. Cohen was there to quiz her about it on the episode of Watch It Happens Live that aired September 26. Then he handed her an espresso martini to sip as punishment if she declined to answer any questions during a drinking game. One day later, on September 22nd, the surprise guest on Watch What Happens Live was Ramona Singer. Cohen pulled her onto his lap, embracing her. On October 23rd, Cohen teased that Singer was going to appear on Watch What Happens Live again. She sat in the front row of the audience, and the drinking game word of the night was Ramona. Her name was uttered eight times. 
As the story went to press, Singer was still scheduled to appear on a panel at BravoCon on November 5th. I want to burn it down, one housewife told me in March. I don't, I said. I still hope there's a way to keep making Bravo shows without cast members feeling they've ruined their lives. Can't humanity be made into an entertainment humanly? I put this to another housewife, the one who dreamed of being famous. I take umbrage with humanly. Ah, uh, she says, have you ever seen what it takes to train a Navy SEAL or to become a professional athlete? There's nothing humane about the process to do it. There's nothing humane about the game of football and I fucking love it. All right. So thank you for sitting and listening to me read that entire thing to you. I appreciate it. I apologize if it's a little choppy. I don't normally read. Okay. I'm not audible. What I will say about this article is I thought there would be more. I thought that they would get together the way that Bethany talked and talked and talked and talked and talked about this. She made it sound like she was going to get so many reality stars involved in this, that she was going to get so many people. There was like over like a hundred people, blah, 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 from different shows, different spaces, different places, blah, 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 blah. And it's like three people. One, not sure if she's credible you know, Leah, Leah, it's like kind of like this back and forth of like, is she telling the truth? Is she not telling the truth? Is she, is this more of like a tone and an, an opinion versus fact? That one's really hard with Leah. Ebony, I 1000 million percent completely believe that Ramona Singer was racist, did microaggressions, all that shit towards producers that were black, towards Ebony, like I, like I 1000% believe that that's not even a question. Ramona has been a questionable character on houses for a very long time. And honestly, continuing to have her on the show is a little wild to me without holding her accountable for some things. I go back and forth with having cast members stay on shows after they've said or done horrible things, because I think we do need to see if they're changing or if they're not changing, I think continuing to have Ramona on the show is fine. If you're going to show who she truly is, Ramona Singer is someone who goes and hangs out with the Trumps. Like, let's be for real. Pretty sure she voted for Donald Trump multiple times. Like this is like, if, if we're going to show Ramona, let's show Ramona for who she really fucking is. Let's show Vicki Gumvelson for who she truly really is a non-vaxxer. Like these are the things that we want to show of these people. I've said this many, many times. I think that after Kristen and Stassi got in a lot of trouble for the racist things that happened with Faith, I think they should have stayed on Vanderpump Rules. And I think they should have atoned for their sins. I think they should have made that a part of the storyline on Vanderpump Rules and talk about that and then show their growth and change and how they don't behave this way anymore. Or if they continue to behave this way, then you fire them. But the part of being on a reality show is I want to see their reality. And if their reality is their shit people, let's see that for a little bit. So that way we can really start settling into what's going on. Obviously it's a double-edged sword because why would you want to pay somebody that has that type of behavior? It's hard. I, I, as a viewer, I want to see the, um, the repercussions of their sins. I want to see that. But at the same time, I understand I don't want to pay somebody 
for being a horrible person, like, like vile person and doing racist, sexist, bigoted things. It's, it's rough, but I would have liked to see certain things that would have happened afterward because of these bad choices and bad decisions, because there's two ways that could have came out of it. One, you could still be Ramona Singer, who I think still is a Trumper thumper, or you could be like Stassi, who I really do think overall Stassi's learned from the situation that she was in. She doesn't desire to go back on Vanderpump Rules ever again. And it doesn't seem to me like she's speaking in these ways anymore. So it seems to me that she's evolved and changed quite a bit. But again, we don't actually know these people. Who the fuck knows? Bethany Frankel is so polarizing to me because... She's so intelligent. She's so smart, but she's one of the most infuriating personalities on television. <laughs> Actually not on television. She's not even fucking on television anymore. She's listen, she's at the point where she wants to talk so bad and she wants people to hear her voice so fucking bad that she had to make her own shit basically and force us to listen to her. <laughs> the thing is, is that I think what she is looking for is good I think that this group of people should have a union and should have a representative for them to support them, to take care of them, to back them up. I think that they should be getting paid for the television shows that they're on because these are the type of shows that people rewatch over and over and over and over and over again. And when Vanderpump Rules is a great example of this, when Scandal came out, a whole new group of people came to watch the show from the very beginning. None of these cast members got paid for that because we rewatched it over and over and over and over and over again. They're not getting paid for people watching old episodes on streaming platforms and that's fucked. And they should have somebody to represent them and take care of them and getting paid. It should be a part of the machine, same as the actors and same as the writers in scripted series. It should be the same goddamn thing. So I understand where Bethany is coming from. The issue here is, is that Bethany sometimes is the wrong vessel to be talking because she's so just, ugh, she's so frustrating to listen to sometimes because she's coming from this massive place of privilege and she's somewhat of a Nepo baby. And if you look into her background a little bit more, like she doesn't come from nothing. She doesn't come from like dirt in the ground. You know, she wasn't living on the backside of a street near a railroad track. Like she's somewhat of a Nepo baby. And so listening to her talk from a side of privilege, especially even if she, if you just want to start from when she was on Housewives and all, she's coming from a place of, she's, I'm pretty sure a billionaire. It's hard to listen to someone like that. And then especially on top of it, you add the white woman thing. Like, it's just hard to listen to her sometimes. I think if we just take her out of it and we listen to someone like Ebony, for example, I think coming from her perspective is a, is a great perspective. We know these things are happening. The, you, you don't need Leah. You don't need Bethany. You don't need Ebony. We already just know these things. And we should want more for the people that we're watching. I don't want it to be so dark and scary and awful. I want to make sure the cast members are behaving on their own volition, acting the way they are on their own volition. They're, they're not being like pushed in corners, that they're not being enticed to drink more and basically enable their alcoholism and sometimes their drug addictions. I don't want that for them, you know? I want them to feel safe and I want them to feel happy. And if they're messy, they're messy, but they're messy on their own volition. They're not messy 
because production and NBC and Bravo and Andy Cohen is like pushing them to behave a certain way. They sh they, these people need to be messy on their own. So it's, it's very, very difficult, but listen to the whole article. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the whole article. I should say, um, thank you for being here. I hope you listen to some other episodes that I have here. Um, again, it's Bravo and just pop culture commentary. I have a backlog with my sibling that I used to do. If you're new here, I appreciate you. Thank you so much for coming to this episode and I will see you guys on the next one. Bye guys. Thank you.